Well, welcome to the Marty Mitto Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Mitto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. The official music of the Marty Mitto Show is provided by that Christian parody band called Apologetics. Check them out online. That's apologetics.com. Last three letters, T-I-X. That's apologetics.com. What a blessing to be with you today. I'll tell you, I hope you're having a great day wherever you may be right now. Whatever you may be doing, whether it be driving down the road, maybe you are at home listening via your telephone or computer, uh, you know, or maybe you're at work, whatever the case may be. If you're at work, well, you could find yourself in a mess if you're not doing your work yet listening to the Marty Mento Show. But again, it's a blessing uh, to be with you here today. I have been talking about, I, I guess I've been on a little series here on the uh, show, talking about confronting Islam. And in our day and age in which we live, we know that uh, Islam is growing in leaps and bounds, not only around the world, but especially here in America. And uh, a lot of folks, I believe, are not familiar enough with uh, Islam and their religious beliefs and what they're all about. And um, a lot of people are concerned because I, I talk to people quite often. They're not sure exactly what to say uh, when it comes to someone uh, who you know, is a follower of Islam or, or a Muslim or someone who practices Islam, what are they to say? How, how are they to engage someone? The last time we got together, we talked about uh, the difference between God of the Bible and Allah. And the God of the Bible and Allah are two different beings. One uh, doesn't really exist, and the other is the true and living God. And they're not the same. And the God of the Bible is the true and living God, and Allah has been created by men. And uh, we try to do our best to make it as clear as possible during the last broadcast. And again, as we do these podcasts, uh, we are not going to cover every aspect of uh, what's going on in these subjects, but we do our best to give you enough uh, so that it'll be helpful to you as you share with other people. Plus, uh, hopefully it's encouraging you to learn more. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. As a Christian, the most important thing you can learn is truly that which is found within the pages of God's holy word, the Bible. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. We can't hold on to secondhand theology because we were taught this by our parents, because the preacher at the church says this, because the evangelist on TV says that. Uh, We just can't do that. What we have to do is we have to be men and women of the word. We have to stand upon a solid foundation. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. Then when we are sharing with others, when we are confronted with error, when people say things, we're able to deal with them and uh, deal with them appropriately. And no, there's no difference, really, when it comes to the religion of Islam. Uh, whether you meet someone who is actually a Muslim or you meet someone who is converted to Islam— Uh, You're able to talk with them and deal with them appropriately because you know the Word of God. You have that solid foundation, and that is of the utmost importance because there are so many major differences between biblical Christianity and also Islam. I mean, sometimes people don't realize the differences, and I thought I would share a few of them with you here just really quick. First of all, 
we talked about this last time we got together. When it comes to Islam, Islam believes there's only one God, and that God is called Allah. Well, again, we as Christians believe in one God, a triune being called God or Yahweh. And uh, we also learned that in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created. We see through the whole first chapter and so on, the word God there is Elohim. It's plural. That's how we understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we believe in one God. We don't believe in three different gods. Uh, And that's why when it comes to the Trinity, uh, those in Islam would say that is blasphemous uh, to believe in three different gods. And so they have a hard time with that, and they don't want to hear it, so you just have to be aware of this. Also, uh, when it comes to Jesus, which we are going to deal with today, is very important for us to understand. First of all, to those within Islam, they would say that Jesus was a prophet who was virgin-born, but not the Son of God. Now, we as Christians believe that Jesus is the divine Son of God. He was virgin-born. He is God's Word and Savior to humanity. And uh, again, so there is some similarities or there's some agreement with those in Islam on certain things about Jesus. But like, for instance, when it comes to the crucifixion, uh, those in Islam say that Jesus was not crucified, that someone was substituted for Jesus— And he kind of hid until he could meet with the disciples. So he was hiding out somewhere. Well, we believe that the crucifixion of Jesus is a fact in history. Uh, And it's necessary for the atonement of sin, the salvation of believers. We believe that's a fact. Well, how about the resurrection? Since Muslims do not believe in the crucifixion, there is no need to believe in a resurrection. But once again, as Christians, biblical Christians, it is a fact of history that signifies God's victory over sin and death. And Jesus himself talked about his death and also his resurrection many times within the Gospels. So as we look as Christians at the Bible, we firmly believe that when we see this, we begin to understand truly that uh, when it comes to Jesus— Um, was he lying? Well, again, the Muslim or someone who is converted or someone who practices Islam would say that um, they do accept the Bible, especially the Pentateuch, Psalms, and the Gospels, but only as it agrees with the Quran. They believe where it does not agree with the Quran, it is corrupted, and it cannot be trusted. Well, we as Christians, we believe that all of the Bible, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It's, it's all accurate. It's correct. It's come from God, and we hold on to it that it is a God book. And uh, again, so there are differences here that are very significant. Also, too, as we'll be sharing here a little bit in just a few moments, when it comes to Muhammad— They believe that Muhammad was the last in the line of the prophets, and therefore the final authority in spiritual matters. Well, in biblical Christianity, we do not accept Muhammad as a prophet or even a legitimate theological source of anything. We we completely stand opposed to Muhammad. 
Now, when I say that, I, I have to caution you. If you're out there, remember, uh, we are talking about confronting Islam and, and how we can engage in conversation with those that do not agree with us in certain matters. Well, first of all, we got to remember we're not looking for an argument. We're not also looking to attack. And there's something that I think needs to be really stated before we get rolling on this today during the podcast. First of all, you never, ever want to start out your conversation by slamming the Prophet Muhammad. If you do, well, you're, you're looking for a fight. And a fight is probably what you're going to get because it is not going to set well with a Muslim, with someone who practices Islam. Um, so you, you want to be careful with that. What you really want to do is you want to appeal to the things uh, that you would agree on, but at the same time, you really want to take and focus your conversation on Jesus. Uh, but there are things that are in the Quran that uh, have been spoken about Jesus that are accurate. I just mentioned to you, they believe in the virgin birth. Um, but they don't believe he's the Son of God because Allah doesn't have any children. So that is something to talk about. Why is there a need and a necessity for Jesus to be virgin-born? Now, if we can get to that point in place and deal with that, I, I can tell you right now, that's where we need to start. I've told this to, to people for years, and I keep on sharing this, and I think some listen and many don't. When the Bible talks about the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, when we talk about Christ, well, who is Christ? I, I think what where we fail is we do not start at the very beginning. And to me, when I think about the very beginning, I think about the fact that the gospel is God's gospel. We've got to begin with God. We've got to begin with the fact of who Jesus is. When he came into this world, the incarnation, this virgin birth, this which is described in Philippians chapter 2, we have to talk about this. If we don't talk about this, then I think we do great error in sharing the gospel because we don't give them the complete gospel. We don't talk about the things of great necessity. Why did Jesus need to come to this earth? If he is the son of the living God, if he is the God-man as we call him, fully God, fully man, why did he have to come here in the first place? Why did he have to take upon himself the flesh of men? Uh, obviously, we believe, biblically is speaking, that he did not completely—well, we want to be careful here because there's people that don't understand this, but he laid aside certain aspects of his deity at times. It doesn't mean he stopped being God, but there were times where he did not use his divine um, you know, prerogatives or abilities— uh, there are times that as we read the Scripture, we see him um, utilizing his full humanity. And then other times we see him use his full divinity. But we got to be careful with that because he did not stop being God, uh, nor was his humanity in addition to him. What we have to do is we have to look at what the Word of God says, uh, and we have to look at it very carefully, and we have to accept it for what it is, even though you and I and everyone out there, even the greatest theologians, this is some, it's a mystery to us. Uh, but yet we accept it for what it is. 
He's fully God, fully man. He's the God-man. But again, if we don't take the time to share this with a Muslim or someone who practices Islam, we don't start where we need to start. My fear is, and, and I've watched this over the years, many times over, what happens is uh, we get nowhere because there had to be a reason for the virgin birth. And again, if we study God's word, there is a reason. There is clear understanding why the virgin birth was of necessity. So to start there would be the proper place to start. So again, uh, you know, we, we have to speak about that. Uh, also, the Quran talks about him uh, had an ability to heal people, raise them from the dead. Uh, the Quran also talks about him being the Messiah, uh, the all-righteous one, uh, and eventually returning to judge the earth. All of these are found in the Quran in many different places. But again, we need to take the time to talk with them, and we need to discuss um, you know, the differences between the prophets, Muhammad, and Jesus in their eyes because there are differences that stand out. Now, once again, you got to be careful, but you have to realize as a Christian, we're standing upon the Bible, which we believe to be God's holy word. The Muslim, the, the person who practices Islam, they're going to stand upon the Quran. They're going to stand there, they're not going to be moved. But at the same time, we got to talk about the things uh, in which we know to be true about Jesus. We have to ask questions to those uh, who oppose us. Uh, we got to be kind, but we have to be able to teach them. We have to be able to show them that here's what Jesus said. And again, they're going to talk about the corruption of the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk about that as we have time, maybe today or another podcast. But I want you to understand this. Islam claims that Muhammad and Jesus were both Muslims. That's what they claim. Uh, they're both Muslims and also both prophets, and both of them were sent by Allah. So you have these two mighty prophets, um, and at the same time, we believe as biblical Christians that Jesus was more by far than just a prophet. There were people during Jesus' day who believed him to be um, one of the prophets, one of the resurrected prophets who died and came back to life. Uh, there's others who have seen him as the prophet that was spoken about in the book of Deuteronomy that would rise out of the nation of Israel, and he would be like Moses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so we know that the term, even as we read the Bible, was used that Jesus being a prophet. But we know that obviously he was more than just a prophet. So as we look at this again, we have to come to the point and place of not trying to get into an argument with someone who's practicing Islam or someone who is a Muslim, but what we have to do is we have to truly go to the Word of God, and we have to stand upon the truth that we know to be true about Jesus. Now, it's interesting because I, I think at least uh, the Muslims that I have spoken to over the years, uh, I, I want to say there have been many, but there haven't been, but I, I, I probably, like many of people, unless you feel somewhat secure, uh, you, you, you feel uneasy talking to them because sometimes they will engage in conversation, other times they will not. 
But remember what I said earlier, it's not knowing everything about what they believe. It's knowing what you believe and why you believe it. That's why I really believe in asking a lot of questions. I I, I genuinely want to know what they believe, what they think, what they have been taught. I want to ask them about Jesus to them, but I also want to ask them about Muhammad. Remember, to them, Jesus and Muhammad were both Muslims, both prophets sent by Allah. So we got to ask questions. We got to ask questions about Muhammad's life and, um, you know, how he was raised and what took place. Now, there are some things that uh, they may not want to engage in uh, that have been put down in history about the quote unquote prophet Muhammad. But again, remember, you're not looking for a battle. You're not looking to argue, you're not looking to, uh, you know, put down this prophet that they hold in high esteem. You, you want to be careful, but at the same time, you want to share the truth about Jesus. So again, I, I want to just encourage you, as you do engage, as you do confront Islam, that you really have a good, wholesome understanding. But again, where I like to go, and, and, and I've been saying this for years, and I still will hold on to it, I really believe that when we talk about um, the fact that the Muslims would and do hold on to aspects of the Bible as long as it agrees with the Quran, uh, they do have a great respect for, like, for instance, the Pentateuch, Psalms, and the Gospels. But you realize those books alone, we realize, especially in the Pentateuch and the Psalms, we have many prophecies spoken about Jesus, the coming Messiah. Prophecies that really have to be dealt with and shared with those who practice Islam, those who are Muslims. Uh, We should talk about his birth. We should talk about his life. Uh, we should talk about his nature. We should talk about his death. We should talk about the empty grave. We should talk about the resurrection. We should talk about his departure and his coming again. But again, we have to start with the word, you know, with his birth. Why did he come in the first place? Well, you know as well as I do, there are several examples uh, in the Bible that would give us this understanding. For instance, Micah 5 2 gives us the very name of the town in which the Messiah would be born. Um, On the day Christ died, uh, many believe uh, the scholars there, at least 33, if not more, prophecies were fulfilled. Uh, The coming of Christ, uh, spoken about in Isaiah 40, Malachi 4. Um, There's many places that, again, um, we have Psalms chapter 22. We have many places where the prophets spoke about the coming, uh, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, it's important, I really believe, uh, to know them, to know as much as possible, at least the main ones that we would hear about quite often. And and I have taken the time over the years, and again, I'm just sharing this with you because I think it's of the utmost importance. I find a lot of Christians don't know and have never really taken the time to really deal with the prophecies concerning Jesus. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I want you to ask yourself a question. Now, the, And this may be a challenging question, but I'm going to ask it to you. 
If you could not use the New Testament, if you could not use the New Testament, could you sufficiently share the gospel and the truth about the coming Messiah pointing to Jesus just by using the Old Testament alone? Now, the reason I ask that question is because this would be the same for those who are Jews, because if you speak to a Jew who is educated and understands the things concerning the Word of God, when it comes to the New Testament, they would reject it. However, they do believe and agree that there was this man called Jesus. They do not agree with the fact that some or Christians would say he's the Son of God, that he's the Savior of the world, that he claimed to be God himself. Uh, they would also bring denial on so many levels. But through the Old Testament, that agreement on the Pentateuch, the Psalms, and the prophets, uh, would we be able to share the gospel clearly and sufficiently? Well, I think the same needs to be done with the Muslim. And if we can't do that, that's probably where we're going to find ourselves uh, losing in the sense of being able to reason with them from the Scripture. Because remember, they're only going to, especially in the Gospels, they're only going to accept the Gospels. The Muslim is as it agrees with the Quran. And what they're going to state, just like every other religious belief system, that the Bible's corrupted, especially the New Testament. Uh, many religious belief systems do not care for the Apostle Paul. Uh, they, they believe him to be a liar, a deceiver, uh, one who has led people astray. Uh, and there's a lot of things about Paul that people just don't like. So when you get into this and you get into whether or not the Gospels are accurate uh, do they really coincide with each other? I mean, there's all kind of different, you know, people out there. Uh, not even with the within these two religions I just spoke of, uh, those who are following Judaism and the Muslim, but many others out there who question Christianity. Uh, they question the reliability uh, of the New Testament. So again, I think it's a, I think it's a very sincere and, and, and very genuine and a very solid question. Could any of us? including me, take the Word of God, the Old Testament alone, and sufficiently and clearly share um, and paint the picture to show others that the prophets, those who wrote, were speaking about Jesus. Now, again, only you can answer that question. Uh, only you can and give you know a, a solid answer. I have found now. I'm just being honest with you. I have found in my own personal journey in life that most Christians cannot. And I got to be honest with you. I was there at one time too. Now over the years, just because of the way my mind, I, I'm not one of these great minds. I can't quote things. Uh, you know, tons of verses. And I know some people that can quote chapters of the Bible. But I always have a Bible on me, and I have written things down on purpose over the years to remind me because I just I'm deficient in that area. I, I I'm not proud of it, but I, I struggle. But yet at the same time, as I continue in repetition, continue going, things come to my mind. Uh, you know, it, it's helpful to me. But I've written these down. I've written a bunch of them down so that I can um, clearly and sufficiently share with someone else these prophecies. 
Well, like, for instance, one of the things that I carry, even in some of the Bibles that I have, just New Testaments, where I would carry with me as I'm traveling, one of the things I have taped in the back is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 blows my mind. Every time I study Isaiah 53, I, I, I tell you truthfully, folks, there is, from the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, there is the picture of the Messiah, which if you study Isaiah chapter 53, uh, actually you could start in 52, a few verses up. It, it, it is just truly the picture of Jesus the Christ. He is the Messiah. And, and I find it interesting because many times we just don't even talk about Isaiah 53. But Isaiah 53, somebody asked me this question um, uh, months and months ago. If you could only have one chapter of the Bible, one, out of all the books in the Bible, which one would you take? Now, some people would say John chapter 3. Um, others would say Revelation, a certain chapter in Revelation. Some have said, you know, Genesis 1, chapter 1. You know, there's a... I would say to you, Isaiah 53. If I had another, nothing else but one chapter to hold on to, to share the gospel, to bring the understanding to people in our world in which we live, it would be Isaiah 53, hands down. And in Isaiah 53, there is so much there. I, I don't have the time, and I'm not going to break it down here. I don't want to get into a teaching, preaching type of session. But I'm just telling you, there's so much in Isaiah 53 that most Christians don't, they don't even understand how much is there. Uh, I, I remember many, many years ago, uh, I share this uh, just quick story with you. Many years ago, I, I was preaching in a church, and I began uh, to do a small series on Isaiah chapter 53. And I'll never forget this, and I've shared this with some folks over the years because it just it, it's just blows my mind, but it's, it's such a, it, a reality of what took place that Sunday morning. As I began teaching on Isaiah 53, um, there was a elderly woman in her church who began to weep. And then she began to weep loudly. By the time the service was over, I mean, she was weeping uncontrollably uh, to the point where it became awkward in the church. I mean, really awkward. There were other ladies giving her, you know, uh, you know, handkerchiefs and giving her, you know, Kleenex and everything else, and she just would not stop crying, and she was quite loud about her crying. I mean, it was just, it was intense. And... When I had closed the service, I'll never forget, most people walked away from her because they, they, didn't, they figured something was seriously wrong. Now, she had, she had experienced a lot of loss in her life, her husband, her sons, different things, and, 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 and she's an older lady, and, and they didn't know. So I, as, at that time, as the pastor went down, and I sat there, and she had her head down, and she is just bawling. And I put my hand on her shoulder, and I, and I tried to talk to her as my sister in Christ and, you know, and just try to comfort her. And she looked up, and she said, I never realized, but this is Jesus. I said, what? 
She said, I, I never realized that this is Jesus. Now, I, I, I can't give you every detail of the conversation, but I can tell you that day that I think she got saved. When I say she got saved, I think Christ saved her that day. Let me make myself clear. I believe that day her eyes were opened spiritually. And her ears, she heard, she understood, she knew that day for the very first time that Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, was Jesus himself. And I believe Christ saved her that day because I tell you right now, she was never the same. Even till the day I left that church, she was never the same. And she would always bring it up, and there was something about her. She changed. She literally changed, as it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18. And that change, I believe, was from God. But for the very first time, she recognized who Jesus truly was. And that is what just set her to a point in place where she she just didn't know what the, I mean she just wept I believe she wept because of of she recognized uh, the fact that she was truly a sinner she recognized that God had sent His only begotten Son His glorious Son the Savior uh, the Son of the Living God to come and rescue her from her sins I mean I could go on and on and on I believe for the very first time she heard the gospel the true gospel. And the gospel message is in Isaiah 53. But there is a wonderful place to start. Now, because of time, and I want to be careful, there are so many places in the Old Testament. And again, I'm only sharing with you some of the places based upon uh, the fact that I have some of this right before me here in, in my Bible. But, you know, talking about Jesus, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Um, you have in Micah 5.12, you have... Uh, also, the Messiah was to be born of a virgin, um, and Isaiah seven fourteen. Uh, you have um, this Messiah was to be a prophet like Moses in Deuteronomy eighteen. The Messiah would perform miracles and also teach in parables, Isaiah thirty five, Psalm seventy eight. Uh, the Messiah would suffer and die, Isaiah fifty three. Um, also Psalms 22, Zechariah 12, uh, the Messiah would be betrayed by one of his own, uh, in the book of Psalms, um, Psalms, uh, let's see here, Psalms, uh, I, I believe it's 41, uh, or four possibly, and then Psalm 16, uh, I'm just looking quickly from my Bible, the Bible, it also, he'd be raised from the dead in Psalm 16, um, and these are, I'm just giving you a quick overview, and the, and the reason I am, I'm just sharing with you, there are prophecies after prophecies within the Word of God referring to Jesus. Now, the experts say that there's over 300 prophecies that have been spoken and fulfilled uh, by Jesus from his birth to his ascension. Now, I, I, I believe it. I have no reason to deny it. But in that fact alone, in understanding that he himself, Jesus, could not. He could not, for instance, he could not determine where he's going to be born. He could not determine the the line of people that he would come from the throne of David, from, uh, you know, I mean, when you begin to think about all the prophets and what they spoke about him, there is no way humanly possible a human 
could fulfill any of those. Beginning with his own birth. Think about this. It's impossible. The virgin birth. That you would come from the womb of a virgin. I want you to think about that. I, I mean, you, you, you can't plan your birth. You can't plan how you're born, when you're born, uh, where you're going to be when you're born. I mean, I mean, think about all these things. You just can't do it. That in itself is truly what I would call absolutely positively mind-boggling. And I think it's important because when we are sharing with Muslims, we must take that word of God and use it because God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. The scriptures are there that will lead and guide people to salvation because they will point to Jesus Christ himself. And that's where, to me, it becomes exciting. Exciting because I began to realize that God's word is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It will do what it can only do. And again, I want to apologize. I was thinking about this for a moment. It's Micah 5.2, not 5.12, 5.2, when it comes to where he's born. But anyways, the Word of God, the Word of God never, ever returns void. And I find it interesting that Paul the Apostle, he used the same approach when he was dealing with the Jews in Acts chapter 17, which is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts, but it says here clearly and distinctively of Paul and how he handled them. It says here in verse 2, and according to Paul's custom, he went uh, to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the what? The Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. See, there's the key. I say this again. In the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, it says that Christ died for our sins, but who was Christ? Some people believe that people will just get it and know it's Jesus. No. We have to take the Word of God, we have to present the evidence, we have to reason from the Scriptures with them, and we have to trust God to do a work that only God can do. Now, I know that some of this may seem repetitious with the last podcast, and maybe I'm just once again trying to very distinctively and carefully and clearly share things with you that will be helpful to reiterate the fact of how important this is. Like, for instance, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus was sinless. Even Jesus himself challenged people, show me my sin, tell me what I've done wrong. I mean, the truth of the matter is, Jesus was sinless. Now, that has to tell us, that has to lead to some understanding. Uh, he was able to do miracles. He was able to raise the dead. Matter of fact, today in my devotions, this is very interesting. Uh, we've been attending the church, and the pastor has been going verse by verse in the book of Luke. Do you know in the book of Luke chapter 8, just amazing, just how God works this out for today's podcast. In Luke chapter 8, you have Jesus calming the storm. Jesus had authority over nature. Now, you tell me one human individual who has authority over nature. How about this one? You have a man who's demon-possessed, not just with one demon, but many demons. And you have Jesus who has authority over demons. 
And matter of fact, the demons inside the man in Luke chapter 8 say Jesus, the son of the most high God. They know who he is. How about this one? You have a sick woman. Jesus heals her. Jesus has authority over sickness. But let's take it one step further. You also have a young girl who dies. And Jesus raises her back to life. So now you have Jesus who has authority over death. So when I think about it, he has authority over death. He has authority over sickness and disease. He has authority over demons. He has authority over nature. My goodness gracious, what human being could have that type of authority? The prophet Muhammad didn't have that type of authority. Now, again, I, I, I told you at the beginning of this podcast, you're not looking for an argument, but you you have to ask questions. There would be a right way to ask it. You know, you could even say, did the prophet Muhammad have this type of authority? Was he able to do this? Was the prophet Muhammad sinless, without sin? I mean, you begin to ask them questions that they themselves, they will have an answer for you. But once again, you are going to point them to Christ. Who is Christ? Who is the Christ? Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I believe this with all that is within me, all the religions of the world, all the religious belief systems except for one, biblical Christianity. And I always have to make that statement biblical Christianity because there's much out there today that's called Christianity it's not biblical and that's just well that's just the truth and people create a Christianity that's not a true biblical Christianity but anyways um, all the religious beliefs of the world deny including Islam they deny what they deny the deity the divinity of Jesus and see that's where we must go but we also share, yes, he was human. He hungered, he thirsted. Uh, he, he grew tired and weary. Um, he was tempted like other men. Um, he bled, he suffered, he died. But wait a minute, he rose again from the grave, just as he said he would. I mean, then we talk about what I just said. He had authority over nature, authority over sickness and disease, authority over death, miraculously able to feed people and do miraculous works beyond the imagination, beyond the faith of men who were with him. The truth of the matter is he he showed himself to truly be not just the Christ, the Messiah spoken of in the Word of God, but he demonstrated himself to be fully God and fully man. That's why when we start getting into, like, for instance, you, you go even further, you, you, we talked about the demons, we talked about nature, we talked about sickness, we talk about death, we get into chapter 9 of Luke, we not only see his miraculous working, miracle working power, but we see his transfiguration on the mount with Peter and John and James. We see also Moses and Elijah. 
we hear God the Father speak. See, we have a picture that is painted in the Gospels of this man called Jesus. That's why Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And see, that's where we have to keep our conversation. We have to give them the evidence. We have to share the facts. We have to ask the questions. We have to begin to engage in dialogue with them, just as we would talking about salvation. And and I'm sure that most of you out there are aware of this. If you're not, uh, I apologize. But, like, for instance, Muslims believe in a works-oriented salvation. So what do we have to do? We have to share with them the Word of God that tells us that no one's going to be declared righteous or right in his sight by observing the law. We have to talk about the book of Romans, the book of Galatians. We have to talk about being saved by grace through faith, and it's a gift from God. It's not of yourself. You know, we got to talk about the things that Scripture said. we got to talk about Jesus and, and what he was willing to do and how he did it and how he showed grace and mercy and compassion, how he told people that salvation was only through him. I could go on and on and on. So, so we're going to have these differences, but we got to ask questions, but we got to stand upon the Word of God and trust God's to do what only God can do through His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit, so that they may believe. They may truly trust Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone for their salvation. And folks, guess what? It's happening today. All across the world, there are Muslims that are truly being born from above. They are being truly changed by God. Their eyes are being opened. Their ears are being opened. They are truly becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. But what must take place first and foremost is the gospel has to go forward. We have to confront, we have to engage Islam. And again, we're not looking for a fight. We're not looking to make them mad. You know, there's certain things we don't have to talk about, certain places we don't have to go. And again, if you study Islam, you may find, uh, you may be, even as you read books, all the books have been published, you may find that there are things about Muhammad that demonstrate certain things about him in his past and, and what he did and stuff like that. But if you are going to focus on those things, you are going to find yourself in a train wreck or simply in a fight. You are not going to truly be able to, in a right way, engage someone and talk to them about Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the God-man, our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we want. That's what, we, that's what we're hoping. We're hoping for opportunities. And again, when the opportunity exists, we don't want to shut the door. We don't want to slam it. We don't want to be controversial just to be controversial and talk about things, knowing that's going to fire them up. Ask questions. Point out truth in the Word of God. And again, there'll be times we agree to disagree, but you may be surprised. And I think this is something that I sometimes I have felt over the years, that, you know, there may be those times where people want to know more. They want to hear you again, as it says in the Scriptures of the Jews about what Paul was saying. They were willing to listen again. That's what it's about. So hopefully this broadcast has helped you in some way, shape, or form.
I want to remind you that we still have the uh, tracks available. Um, Are you prepared for heaven? And it's, again, based upon unless you believe. When Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It talks about God. It talks about Adam. It talks about Jesus. And it talks about mankind. And I tell you, it's a great track filled with Scripture. We send them out absolutely for free. All you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. We'll send them out to you. Don't forget, if uh, you enjoy this podcast, you can continue to support this podcast. Matter of fact, recently we've had some people that are beginning to support this podcast on a monthly basis. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm. That is our podcast provider, but we're on Apple, we're on Google, just about every podcast place that's out there. Uh, The Marty Minto Show exists now. But tell your family, tell your friends, tell your loved ones about The Marty Minto Show. And the reason is, is because we want to help other people truly hear the gospel message, help other people who are Christians um, to learn the Word of God so that they can teach others and they can defend the truth when lies come their way, especially in the day and age in which we live. Thank you so much for being with us today, and I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Lord willing, um, well, Lord willing, we'll see you again. (laughs) 